if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com and it's been a long time but we are starting again uh, the monthly review. So I just missed the July, uh, the August update because yeah, I was out of office so uh, taking some breaks. So now we are back and we'll talk again about all the regulatory updates that are happening uh, within Europe and also the rest of the world. So you'll see also some news from the rest of the world. Okay, let's start with Udamed. So Udamed is now uh, implemented, but we got some news from uh, the EU Commission about Udamed. So um, there are now some dates that are officially published saying that Udamed will, should be used by this date or this date. But yeah, those dates are, we had already some of those dates before and it was always the same. Uh, we think that it will be implemented, but it's not because there are some issues or other things. So here now we have some dates. Uh, which are apparently official. You can see the source um, in the on the show notes. And the dates, I will share the dates with you. Um, so the first date is Q4 2023, which will be the end of the, um, if I can say, the, the, the finalization of the creation of the six modules for Udamed. Because for now, we have three modules only. We have the economic operator module, we have the device and UDI module, uh, we have and we have the certificate module. There are still three missing, which are the uh, clinical evaluation module, uh, vigilance reporting module, and uh, the market surveillance module. So by Q4 2023, those modules will be finished. Then we'll have an audit, uh, Q1, Q2 2024, that will be showing some results. If all the results are okay, then by Q2 2024, uh, Udamed will be officially complete and then can go live. And then... Um, Normally, UMDR says that six months after, then UDAMED is uh, mandatory to be used. But I discovered something on the timeline. So I have to go back and maybe read again the UMDR because as I've said, you can read it 20 times and there is still something missing. So maybe this point was missed for me. But uh, here they say that in, within six months, it's mandatory to use UDAMED for actor registration, so economic operators, vigilance reporting, clinical investigation and performance study, and market surveillance. So, okay. But then it says that by Q2 2026, uh, 24 months transition is over, then the use of UDAMED will be mandatory for UDI and device, which is the, the module to register your device, and uh, notified body and certificate module. So, I don't know. Uh, I never. I cannot remember. I have to check again that there was this 24 months um, time mark, if I can say, to use Udamed uh, as mandatory for that. I thought for me six months after implementation 
damage reduced for everybody. But I will check that. If you have maybe some comments on it, <laughs> tell that to me on the show notes. Um, because yeah, I'm, I'm interested also to hear if there is an official source of that or if it is something made uh, new by, by the, the EU Commission. Okay, next topic is uh, the call from the European Commission for application of um, EU reference laboratories. So this is the laboratories that are needed for IVD devices, so to test them, to verify that they are. Okay, so now the EU is calling for application for those laboratories. And then, the, so then all the member states of the European Union started also to call their um, their laboratories in their countries for application. So the EU says that you have until the 31st of March 2023 to do this application. But when you go to the different website of the uh, each country, so it's different. So don't look at this date because it's the EU date. I think it's the date for the member states to provide a list of those companies. But within each member state, they have a different date. For example, if you go to Spain, it's written the 30th of... Uh, if you go to HPRS or the... Ireland, it's written the 30th of September 2022, so end of this month. Uh, then for Spain, it was written 30th of September, but now it's written 5th, 5th of January 2023. And if you go to uh, Belgium, it's uh, 10th of January 2023, etc., etc. So all the countries have their own dates for application. So if you are a laboratory or if you know a laboratory that want to apply for that, then tell them that there are some specific dates uh, where they have to apply before, uh, before. So the laboratories are, for example, laboratories for hepatitis and retroviruses, uh, ARPS viruses, bacterial agent, arboviruses, respiratory viruses that cause life-threatening disease, hemorrhagic fever and other biosafety level 4 viruses, parasites and blood grouping uh, blood grouping so if you are doing those kind of tests then you can apply for uh, the eu commission so maybe you would be selected as a eu a reference laboratory eurl so this is how they are the acronym of it eurl okay now we go through the clinical evaluation consultation procedure which is the panel expert panel that is reviewing some clinical uh, evaluation report uh, from your company if you are a class 3 device company or a class 2B which are delivering drugs etc. And I have two cases that were published now which are uh, the case of a class 3 implantable tricuspid valve procedure and another one for a transcatheter heart valve. So those cases are interesting. So first something that changed maybe I didn't notice that on the previous ones but my first one that I reviewed, it was completely open. This one ha is blacked out a lot, which makes it really horrible to read. I'm, I mean, I try to read it many times and I say, I miss, I miss this sentence, which is a sentence that makes me understand the full thing, but I don't get it. But what is interesting is also to read the, the last part, which is mainly the conclusions of the expert panel on this. And you see that, yeah, you don't have enough clinical data and you have to uh, do maybe this kind of study, or you have enough, you don't have enough clinical data for this indication, but for this indication, we are okay. So they are really providing some, uh, some, uh, some advice or review for it. But yeah, what I'm, bit um, sorry of is the fact that they are blacking out a lot of things which I don't know if it's uh, blacking out because it's a proprietary name of the products or because there was some full sentence so I don't think the full sentence was the name of the products but I, I don't know which makes it really difficult to read but if you are a company that is selling those kind of devices and 
you will submit maybe your technical file to the EU Commission or to the notified body. Then reading or trying to read those things can maybe help you to see that maybe it will be anywhere rejected because you don't have enough clinical data. And as I've told you since a long time, clinical data is king actually. If you don't have clinical data, there is really a, not a lot of chance that you will pass the UMDR. If you have clinical data, then uh, you will be able to pass the UMDR for sure. Okay, another point is about um, Annex 16. So we talked a lot about Annex 16. If you want, there are a lot of videos also that we have made about Annex 16 with Eric Volbrecht, with uh, Stefan Bollinger. Uh, so we talked a lot about it. Um, now we had, during one of those videos, we had a question and I, we challenged a lot the authorities and <laughs> we got some kind of an answer to it. The point is, when you are doing a classification of your devices and you look at the EUMDR Annex uh, 8 uh, rules, you arrive to find that your product is a class 1 device, even if it is a product that is used for adipose tissue, reduce, uh, remove adipose tissue, because the point here is that there is no treatment of a disease or diagnosis or monitoring. So at the end, you say, okay, there is nothing although. So if you go to the rules, it says, oh, it's a class one device. So yes, we find it a bit strange because it's a product that can be really endangering the life of people or burning the skin or whatever. So this is something that was strange. But now they have created the Draft Implementation Act. Uh, so to uh, reclassify those products under Annex 16. Not all, there are three categories that are reclassified, active devices only, all the others are not reclassified. I mean, I suppose they are class one again, but uh, I mean, we have to check again. Um, but those devices that are active and that are normally not treating any disease uh, should have been classified as class one if you follow strictly the rules. But now they said no for some devices that are class 2B, some devices that are class 2A, 2Bs, and the brain stimulation, for example, they are class 3. So now they are clarifying that. Be careful, this is only a draft implementing act. You have still until, uh, let me check if I placed it somewhere. Uh, no, I didn't, but you can go on the, uh, on the show notes. You have still uh, until uh, mid of September, I suppose, to answer uh, to this draft implementation implementing act. So if you are in the uh, Annex 16 business and you have those type of products, go to see the Draft Implementing Act for reclassification. Put, I mean, read the comments of others. Maybe it could be interesting also to understand what are the problems for others. And then provide your own feedback to it because it's really important that your voice is heard on this. Okay, what is happening now on the rest of the world? So first we have SFDA. Uh, which is um, in, uh, ha uh, having an introduction workshop on the rules or implementation of SFDA. Uh, so uh, on the regulation for SFDA. SFDA for Saudi Arabia, because China also mentioned SFDA for their, uh, for their legislative uh, authority. But here it's Saudi Arabia. So you have a workshop that is provided remotely. I've already provided you some links to workshops uh, to the SFDA before. So um, it's really discreet, but you see a small sentence under the picture, and I will put that to you maybe here on the image. 
uh, where um, it is said click here. So it means that when the time comes, and be careful, it's Saudi times. When the times come, you have to click on this and then it will open the uh, link to be assisting to the to the event. Uh, so don't ask me because I'm not the organizer of this. I mean, I saw some people asking me, when is the, when is the event, uh, I cannot access, etc. I'm not the organizer, I'm just showing to you which event is happening. And this is an event where you can learn more about how to place maybe your device in the uh, Saudi uh, Saudi region. So go to the show notes, there is the link, uh, I mean the link to the page, and then at the bottom there is a small line saying if you want to attend, click here. So click here and you will be able to access, uh, access the webinar. Okay, a country that we are not talking too much, but um, I saw a lot of changes uh, that are happening there, which is uh, South uh, Africa. So Safra is publishing a lot of guidances on clinical trial, uh, which are helpful. And I'm just talking about this for clinical trial, but um, the last two months, you had a lot of guidance also from Swiss Medic, of other countries that were providing guidance, uh, UK, etc., providing guidance on clinical trials. So I don't know if there is a trend on clinical trials actually, but there are a lot of guidances that are helping you to access more easily clinical trials within certain countries. So I suppose it was really complicated to get that and maybe people are, were discouraged to go for clinical trials in some countries. So now they are trying to make the life easier for the companies that are trying to do that. Um, so I hope it will be helpful. And this one I'm showing to you is about South Africa. So if you want to go uh, to do some clinical trials in South Africa, so Safra is uh, publishing a lot of guidances and they are all in the show notes where you can uh, understand more how uh, you can apply for it. What can, what are the rules and etc. to to be able to to make your clinical trials in South Africa and maybe in so also an advantage in terms of uh, prices because I don't know exactly what, what are the prices there. So also you for you to check. Okay, China is also uh, providing a lot of guidances and um, I'm always interested to read those. I mean I'm translating everything. We have the uh, automatic translator. Uh, within our tools and then immediately you can see exactly how what is, is written inside and uh, this time I looked at uh, some guidances which are the guidances for registration of percutaneous arterial nutrition catheter and for disposable human arterial blood samplers and what is great is that this guidance is showing to you clearly how you have to submit your dossier what are the information they are providing you also what are the guidances that you can follow etc so I mean just translate from Chinese to English. Uh, you find all the information uh, and then you can easily, if I can say, provide the right document. Maybe you have any way to translate it to Chinese to submit it. I don't know. But mainly you can have a, an idea of the information that are required for such products and to be placed on, on the on the Chinese market. And as you know, China is a big country also. So there are a big market uh, there. So if you want to access that, don't hesitate to go to this guidance. They have a lot of guidances, but these uh, are specific for products. So if you have some specific products, you can find maybe a guidance for your products to the Chinese market. And as I said, they are providing you really the guidances or tests or anything that you have to have so that you can register your device on, on the market. Okay, India. So I hope, yeah, if you are registering your devices in India, uh, then India is always uh, publishing, and it's a new update, the list of the certified medical device testing laboratories that you can use for MDR 2017. And they also have the regulation with the name MDR. So MDR 2017 is the regulation in, China, in uh, India for 
medical device regulation. So if you need to use some laboratories for, for testing, they have also provided a list on, of official testing laboratories that can help you uh, for registering maybe your device or making the test for your device in, in India. So don't hesitate to go on the show notes and there is a list. But as I said to you, this is always updated. Uh, so yeah, you can maybe keep the link for a new version if there is a, any new version in the, in the future. Australia. So if you have dreamed to put your device in Australia, if you want to know what are the rules, um, maybe you you know about MDSAP, so you know that with MDSAP you can also register to Australia. So Australia created a web page where they are telling you exactly how to register your device in Australia within TGA. So the page is really showing all the steps, all the elements, etc. So it's one page where you can learn. So if you are a manufacturer and try to go to Australia, this is the page where you have to go to understand. But if you are also a student and want to learn about what are the rules to place your device in Australia, like the essential principles, which are equally the same to essential requirements or GSPR for you. So then you can know um, how what they look like and how you can implement. And you know that Australia also implemented now the UDI. Uh, so there are a lot of things that Australia is doing the same as Europe. So if you are used to the European Union, it will not be so difficult for you to transition to Australia. But uh, yeah, as I said, they have created this page which can help you to uh, accelerate your transition to it. Okay, training now. So Easy Medical Device is restarting again the uh, training program for EUMDR. So the Green Belt Certification Program. We have a session that will start in September 19th. So if you want to register, go now to school.easymedicaldevice.com. You can go directly to the page, which is school.easymedicaldevice.com slash course slash GB20, because it's a 20th session that we are doing now. Uh, or you can go to the shop directly and there is a session for Greenbelt and then you can go inside. And when you go to the shop and go to Greenbelt sessions, there are other dates. So there is the date also for October, for November and for December, because I have a lot of people that were saying to me, oh, is there any other session? So I try to plan the next days also, next sessions also, so that people can also say, oh, if I, you cannot attend the September one, you will be, be uh, attend to October, November or December. So um, the session is also always of five days. So during the five days, you have material to learn. And then there is one hour live session where we are discussing of uh, uh, the topic of the day. And uh, also uh, this live session, because some people are asking me, when is the live session? So uh, we are making a, a, a pool, if I can say. So I give three slots per day. And uh, the one that receives most of the votes then is the one that we'll be using. And usually it's end of my day, it's like uh, uh, 3 p.m., uh, 4 p.m. Or, or 6 p.m. if I can say, uh, uh, European time. Uh, so that you can also access uh, if you are, for example, in the uh, Western region, so in the US, uh, US area. So uh, register. Uh, then after you register, you will receive uh, some uh, emails where you will get information about uh, information to receive from you. And then also what are the preferred hours for you to, um, uh, to make uh, those, uh, those sessions. And if you cannot attend a session because first we choose a session maybe that you have not voted for or you are out of office at that moment, all the videos are recorded, so then you can access the record. And I'm accessible the whole week for you, so I can be there for 
uh, answering your question per email or if you really need a, a session a 30 minute session we can also have a session to just discuss together about your case your product or your situation so that we can help you also so don't hesitate so register uh, on the go on the show notes and you'll have the link and you can register to the, directly to the, to the session and more importantly so easy medical device is also a consulting firm so we are helping a lot of manufacturers uh, to place their device compliantly on the market we are doing coaching also so if you are somebody that really wants to learn more knowledge or maybe you are at a certain point where you don't know exactly what to do so we can also help you to uh, talk to you about uh, the, the possibilities uh, and we have also some uh, activities like uh, authorized representatives so we can also be your authorized representative and we have also activity as importer for switzerland uh, europe and uk so don't hesitate to contact us and lastly we are also providing uh, smart eye which is um, an electronic quality management system which can help you also to manage all your documentation so that you can be compliant and you can also show to the auditors uh, notified body auditors that you are compliant to uh, to the to the regulations so I hope it will be helpful for you. So don't hesitate to contact me at info, I-N-F-O, at easymedicaldevice.com. Okay, let's talk now about notified bodies. So we have a 30-second notified body that was appointed, but for MDR. So um, it's called it's Bureau Veritas Italia, uh, which was appointed. So we have 32 for uh, for MDR and we have still seven for IVDR, which is really um, a pity because as I said, IVDR needs more and more notified bodies for helping them. So you know that the dates for IVDR were extended means that from the 26th of May 2022, all class A device should follow IVDR. But uh, from the 26th of May 2020, uh, for, uh, yeah, 25, it's uh, for class D and then class C and then class B and then class A, etc. So it's uh, extended. So then uh, you have uh, to already be careful and be ready for your products to be compliant to IVDR. And contact us also if you need any support for, for that. Uh, we can really help you for that. Okay, guidances. So we have two guidances that were published uh, recently. And uh, the first one is just uh, a guidance for uh, of, uh, competent authorities on the de uh, designation and reassessment, notification of conformity assessment for notified bodies. So helping to have notified bodies uh, available on the market. So aligning the practice between each of the region, which is the MDCG 2022-13. And um, what is interesting is more the next one, which is the MDCG 2022-14, uh, which is a guidance for the transition between MDR and IVDR. So it's a guidance that is uh, mainly telling uh, you, the MDCG group says that they understand that there will be a big problem uh, with notified bodies not being available or MDR and IVDR transition, so etc. So they recognize there is a problem. And what is interesting is that they provide some actions that they want to uh, promote or that uh, they ask people to, to follow. Um, so um, I will read to you maybe some of the actions. Um, so the first one is to advise notified bodies to use the hybrid audits. I suppose because it was not written, but I suppose it is the physical audits and also remote audits. Because mainly, you know that during the COVID session, we have tested the remote audit. I suppose it worked well. And now they are recommending that because... Uh, if you have always to travel to make audits, maybe it's um, it's uh, not helping you to um, accelerate, if I can say, the number of certificates that uh, that should be uh, provided. Uh, the second, they, they ask you to avoid or ask notified body 
to avoid duplication of work by providing evidence that the previous assessment was good, if I can say, for under NDR. Means what? Means that maybe you have your notified body many since many years, they know about you, they audited you always, audited you, and um, they find out that you are good. So all what you have done already for MD is also valid for MDR, so and you have, they have enough evidence. So the idea, the idea here is to avoid some extra work when they can already, with the data they have, or can already show that you are compliant. I suppose this is what, uh, what it means here. Um, so they are also talking about uh, using flexibility mentioned in the guidance NDCG 2022-4 uh, to combine directive and regulatory regulation of regulation of uh, audits uh, for legacy devices. What it means, it means that even if you are during the transition period uh, after 2021, uh, until 2024, you are still under MDD. The idea is if they can combine um, the audit that they are doing with the manufacturers for MDD to the audit made with MDR, then it can facilitate the things. Because yeah, normally you have to do a new application for MDR and then you have to separate the audit done between MDD and the one MDR. So the point here is that if you can combine both, maybe it can help to accelerate also uh, the certification under MDR. This is what I, I suppose. Uh, then the MDCG will review the guidance uh, uh, guidances to eliminate um, administrative workload for notified bodies. I suppose notified bodies has some responsibility to do some documentation, and maybe the MDCG will try to remove that from uh, from their uh, list. Uh, so they also ask um, uh, notified bodies to use the machine to machine uh, talk, if I can say, with Udamed to uh, then publish all the certificates as soon as possible. Uh, they call also for notified bodies, which was a funny one, this one, call uh, by MDC to foster capacity building of notified bodies and streamline internal administrative procedures. Um, so ask notified bodies to increase their capacity and to reduce their burden, administrative burden, which I hope they have already done before. I mean, it's uh, obvious that normally they have to do that. Uh, they are also, um, increase or decrease, I don't know how you call that, but the frequency for review reassessment of notified bodies. Before it was three years, now it's five years. So they are uh, trying to in increase or decrease uh, the frequency so that uh, they don't spend too much time, if I can say, in reassessment when they have to uh, spend more time in uh, doing the certification of, uh, of, notify of uh, manufacturers. Uh, ask, yeah, also this one, ask all parties involved in the assessment of notified bodies to make effort to speed up this process, but preserving the level of requirements made by uh, notified bodies. So when I read this sentence, uh, I felt like, I remember, I mean, I don't know if you see some posts on LinkedIn or others where you see the people that are showing to you how to draw in 10 seconds, one minute and 10 minutes, and you, saw, you see the result at the end. So here it says speed up, but maintain the same level of, uh, of uh, requirements or of conformity, which, I don't think how you can do that. If you want to speed up, it means that you have to miss something. So I mean, this is what I'm understanding here. Um, they will also try to add more MDR codes. So MDCG asked to add more MDR codes. I didn't get it too much. Maybe it's something that I'm not uh, used to, but if they add more MDR codes, I don't know what, what can help on that. Maybe there is some subtlety to that, but um, yeah, I will, I will look at that. There is also the requirements to uh, revise the MDCG 2019-6 section 3.6 where there was a definition of 
personal employed by a notified body. So meaning that when you read this section, it says the notified body should employ the person, uh, have the person under their control, pay them, etc. Et so which apparently was restraining maybe the use of consultants or other companies or this and that. And they want to update that, I suppose, to increase the possibilities for notified bodies to employ more people for, for that. It's what I, I understand by that. Um, reminder that standard should be fee should be public. So now if you go to some website of notified body, you see the fees to say for example 250 euro per hour or this and that. So here they say the, the fees should be aligned one to the other. So maybe one is providing per hour, maybe one is providing per, uh, per mission, maybe one is providing per dossier, maybe etc. So here the idea is let's try to have the same standard for that so that we can compare one to the other. So maybe this is what it means. Um, allocate capacity also for first applicants, first time applicants. It was also an issue, the fact that uh, if you are new to medical devices, if you have a new activity, new business, new things, if you are contacting notified bodies, you are put on a waiting list because you, you are new. So many, anything that is new will take a long time to do that. So here they are asking for increasing capacity for first comer. I don't know how they will do that because already with what they have as customer, it's difficult. So I don't know how they can increase this capacity for, for that. Uh, only if they maybe hire more, more people than for, for that. Um, so um, yeah, there is another list. I will not read everything, but everything is on the MDCG 2022-14. Um, you can look at that. There are a lot of actions that are mentioned. Do this, do that. What I'm not sure if they put also the resources or the investment or the budget for uh, helping them to, to accelerate. I'm, I'm, maybe they are doing that, but I don't see that uh, mentioned on the document. So this is uh, good, if I can say, to sh share that, yes, we have a problem and we want to provide the solution, but I don't know exactly if this is uh, something that uh, uh, can be sustainable without an effort from the EU Commission. Okay, now we arrive to uh, the podcast episode that we have done previously. And there were a lot because as I said, I miss <laughs> one, uh, one monthly review. So we start back uh, in, ju uh, in July from the MedTech Europe Forum interview. So we had a lot of interviews with some people uh, that uh, I've interviewed at the MedTech Forum. Um, it was interesting because it provided a snapshot of the situation of the MDR uh, for for uh, during the forum and uh, discussing with diverse people. So if you want to go back and look again at those interviews, it was really, uh, I think, interesting for, for, for you. Then we have the AI Act. So Artificial Intelligence Act. We discussed about that with Eric Volbrecht. Uh, there were, I mean, you, you know that some medical devices are also using artificial intelligence. So here there are some overlap between medical device regulation and AI Act. And here we discuss about that with Eric Volbrecht and we tell you if um, this would really impact uh, medical device companies that are manufacturing uh, artificial intelligence uh, software. Then we talked about clean room. So if you want to build a clean room, so then you have to listen to this episode with Philippe Bourbon. We talk also about money, how much it costs. We talk about maintenance. We talk about everything. So how to start a clean room, how to maintain it, how to validate it, etc. So uh, Philippe Bourdon, Bourbon from ICAR, so laboratory ICAR in France, is providing uh, this, uh, this information. 
Then um, I explained to you, and it's really important, how to create a technical file. Uh, I get this question all the time. How should I create a technical file? So I try to explain to you um, specifically uh, the structure of a technical file, how you have to show it, how you can help the notified bodies to review quickly your technical file and all the information. So look at this episode if you are still maybe new to medical devices and you hear that you need a technical file but you don't know exactly how it looks like. So here I can really show that to you uh, or explain to you. I mean, I'm not showing, I'm really explaining. And as I said to you, I'm also providing a template. So on my shop, so easymedicaldevice.com slash shop. Uh, and you have templates about creating technical documentation. Then uh, we talked uh, with uh, Spencer Jones from Linnaeus Medical about uh, his journey to register his device in the US. So he was thinking that uh, his product can go through a 510K, which is a process uh, used in the US. And the FDA says, no, it will be a de novo, which is another process. And here, then we discuss about that. And it gives you advices if you go to the US, for example, advices on how you can maybe avoid all those issues, how you can streamline your process, how you can put your device on the market without all the difficulty has. So learn from him so that you can maybe avoid all those issues also. Then we talked about uh, discontinuation process with Alexandros uh, Savidis. So the idea here is the fact that you have some products maybe on your portfolio that you are not selling anymore, using anymore, doing anymore, anything with them. And but you keep them maybe in case of, but the idea is to fact that um, if the products are not maintained anywhere, they will be serving, not serving to you at all. And the information provided will be maybe already obsolete. So better is to discontinue the product to avoid to have additional documentation to maintain and maybe to make also mistake because maybe you will try to place it again on the market when it cannot be placed on the market anymore because the regulation maybe has also changed for it. So uh, look at this process, uh, pro, pro, yeah, this pro, pro episode if you want to understand more about this continuation. Then we talked with Eric Volbrecht about the blue guide, the new blue guide, where there are new definitions, new information, and we tell you if this has really an impact uh, to the medical device uh, regulation or medical device products. So look at that with Eric Volbrecht. And lastly, we had an episode with uh, Anindya Mukherjee, which is uh, from S-Cube Technologies. So he's my partner. He's also working with me at uh, Easy Medical Device. And we talked about SAMD, so Software as Medical Device, and SIMD, uh, Software Integrated to a Medical Device, for the creation of design dossier. So if you have those kind of software and you are trying to create a design dossier, listen to this episode. We are giving you some best practices on how to do that. And also explaining to you that our solution, so EQMS like SmartEye, uh, is helping you to create easily a dossier because we are guiding uh, you on different questions and then we create directly a structure of the dossier. So then you just have to fill the information inside inside the dossier. So if you want also a demo of SmartEye, so don't hesitate to uh, uh, look at uh, S-Cube technology, S-Cube-Technologies.com uh, and there is the info uh, uh, contact us uh, button and then you can uh, ask for, for a demo of the, of the software. Okay, it was a pleasure to have you again for this uh, uh, monthly update. Um, yeah, I will continue again for the next month. Don't hesitate to contact me if you need any support, if you have any requests, uh, send me an email at info, I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure I can help you. So thank you very much and I wish you a nice day. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.